the hard shoulder on News Talk with the all new Nissan Qashqai, now electrified with mild hybrid power. See Nissan.ie. Welcome back to The Hard Shoulder. Kieran Cudahy with you until 7 o'clock. Gavin Dowd is with me for another edition of In Our Defence, wherein Gavin tells us all about a case from Irish legal history, a case which on the face of it may seem like a peculiarity, but of course is nothing of the sort. It matters, and it still matters to each and every one of us today, to one degree or another. Uh, Gavin, what are we talking about this week? Kieran, this week, the uh, bad getaway driver and the sandwich that nearly cost £65,000. Wow, oh great. I'm invested, I'm in. Go okay, you, you've been sold. <laughs> uh, so it's the early 2000s on Talbot Street in Dublin city centre and Noel Corcoran pulls up. He's, it's lunchtime, he's looking for a sandwich. He pulls up on the side of the road, pops into a, sh- a coffee shop called Tea Time Express to grab himself said sandwich, but leaves the car open and leaves the keys in the ignition with the engine running right. now uh, not yeah. to you know be disparaging about the north inner city in Dublin but I think there's a lot of people who wouldn't park on Talbot Street even with the car locked and leave it there so he certainly was <laughs> taking a risk by leaving you it know, open you can't the car say and not to be disparaging uh, and then be absolutely disparaging and get away <laughs> it, with it doesn't it. it's a lawyerly answer Kieran. it's a loyally <laughs> answer on, go on anyway Kelsa Breeze thief comes along steals the car and drives it away. Now, he doesn't get very far, takes a, a sharp right at the next corner onto Talbot Lane and hits a pedestrian called Patrick Breslin. Right. Mr. Breslin is injured in this collision and the thief runs away, basically, and is never caught. So he sues an organisation called MyBuy. Now, MyBuy are an organisation that basically fund claims or compensate people who are victims of injuries caused by uninsured drivers. This thief was an uninsured driver. They couldn't find him. So he was given 65000 in in damages. But MyBuy want to know, could Mr. Corcoran be responsible? Could he be held legally liable for leaving the car running and leaving the car open? And ultimately, in law, did he cause this accident? Okay. So, so sorry, who's suing who then? Is This is... Um, Patrick Breslin is suing... The Motor Insurance Bureau of Ireland. He's he's succeeded there, but okay. now the court is is looking at a different case um, on uh, at whether Mr. Corcoran, the okay. driver, is responsible. Okay, yeah. that this is interesting. Uh, like the driver, obviously, was not behind the wheel of the car. He mm. didn't know the person. He had no control over it. This didn't happen with his consent. What is exactly what what issues or what arguments are the court considering? Basically that he was negligent um, wow. or careless for leaving his car open and therefore it was foreseeable that his car would be stolen and then maybe it was foreseeable that it would be driven in such a way that it would injure other pedestrians. So negligence is kind of a term that we use colloquially the whole time. It basically means, you know, falling below standards of behaviour expected of certain people. But in law, you need something called a duty of care to establish negligence. So a duty of care is uh, this legal kind of relationship between two people which means that negligence uh, is established or one person owes another person a duty of care and if they fall below a certain standard they can be held legally liable. So the kind of things you got to consider are if um, one person does something that harms another person was that harm foreseeable? Is there a relationship between the two parties? A pre-existing relationship? Or are they at the same place at the same time when the accident happens? And is it fair and reasonable to uh, to impose this duty of care? So they're the kind of things you're considering when you're talking about negligence. So in, in this particular case, the court had to decide whether Noel Corcoran owed a duty of care to Patrick Breslin, to this pedestrian who was ultimately hit, and whether he was in breach of that duty of care by leaving his car 
open, unlocked and with the keys in the ignition on Talbot Street. Essentially, and then the other thing on top of that they had to decide was this idea of causation. Did, ultimately, could it be said that Mr. Corcoran caused Patrick Breslin's injuries? Now, uh, you could ask it this way. You could ask this question. If he hadn't left the car unlocked, if he hadn't left the keys in the ignition and the car running, would Mr. Breslin have been injured by the car? And the answer is, you know, most likely no. It's still possible that a thief could have broken into the car, hot-wired it all while he was getting a sandwich and then crashed into Mr. Breslin. Mm. It's quite unlikely. It's not that foreseeable. So you, you could approach it from that way. But Mr. Corcoran has a defence, essentially. And his defence is that this thief was acting on his own volition. I didn't know my car would be stolen. And he, in stealing the car, acted so independently and so did something that was so out of my control that I shouldn't be held uh, held responsible. That, that it breaks the kind of the chain of causation between Mr. Corcoran parking and Patrick Breslin being hit by the car. Exactly. And the key thing the court had to decide was, was it foreseeable that, well, number one, that the car would be stolen and number two, that it would be driven in such a reckless manner that it would injure a pedestrian? I, I, maybe this is unfair. I, I'm just imagining kind of another scenario to try and help people understand this and help myself understand it. Had Noel Corcoran pulled up outside Tea Time Express and had Talbot Street been built on a hill and he left the handbrake off and it rolled down and it hit Patrick Breslin. I mean, the chain of causation there has not been broken. You know, he would he would pretty pretty obviously he would be liable. Yes. Because nothing no kind of random act from a third party had to yeah. occur for Patrick Breslin to no, be hit. Nothing interrupted, yes. I guess, the the original wrongdoing and the ultimate harm to Mr. Breslin. Exactly. Um so let's say here, and the key thing is it can't have been foreseeable. So uh, Noel Corcoran, while he was sitting in T-Time Express, he couldn't have foreseen that his car would be stolen and then driven in such a reckless manner. So let's take another example here. Let's say I, I don't know, spill a cup of tea on the floor here in the news talk offices. And instead of cleaning up, for whatever reason, I put up one of those wet, caution, wet floor signs. Yes. Okay. And one of your colleagues, Kieran, comes along and for whatever reason, instead of clearing it up, just takes away the sign. Mm. And then you come along and you you slip on the floor. Uh, And then you sue me for spilling the tea. Now, I could argue, kind of similarly to how Mr. Corcoran's arguing here, that it wasn't foreseeable that the sign would be taken away. That whichever colleague came along and and took away the sign uh, broke, as you said, the chain of causation there. Mm. And therefore, it means I shouldn't be liable for it. Yeah, except moving a sign, in my mind, and this is where we're kind of we're getting into the kind of the the round of the colloquial here. But like moving a sign has a kind of a lower bar of probability than some a thief randomly coming across your car and stealing it. Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> but I mean the court the court did say in the circumstances it's Talbot Street, it's city centre, it's busy, it's in the middle of the day. The car is, I assume, you could hear the car purring. Okay, there was nobody behind the wheel. It was quite likely that it was going to be stolen. But this is really what it came down to, Kieran, was that it was not, and the, the judge concluded this, it wasn't foreseeable necessarily that the car would be driven in such a dangerous way that it would injure a pedestrian. Now, I don't know if I necessarily buy this. He said dangerous driving is not necessarily implied if someone steals the car. What if oh, someone yeah. was stealing no, the car? Notoriously uh, safe, uh, drivers, safe drivers, the thieves. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Lo- lovers of the rules of the road. Exactly, yeah. You're not going to expect <laughs> someone who steals a car to be stopping at every red light or travelling necessarily within the speed limit. He said, what if the car was stolen for resale, for example? Now, I, I don't think there are thieves, you know, walking around the streets of Dublin looking for a car for resale and just happened upon this this car 
you know, in all likelihood, this was someone, an opportunist, really, who just saw yeah. the opportunity and hopped in and, and drove off. Uh, and he also abandoned the car after after hitting Mr. Mr. Breslin. So I don't know how uh, persuasive I find the, the conclusion of it. But ultimately, the conclusion was in Noel Corcoran's favour. It was in Noel Corcoran's favour. There was no reason why he should have anticipated that the car would be would be driven so dangerously. Uh, and uh, I would assume that Mr. Breslin still got his damages from from my buy. So, All right. you know, everyone's kind of a winner in the end. And Noel Corcoran gets his sandwich and he gets his car, he gets <laughs> exactly. his car back. He can <laughs> have his, his cake and eat it, his sandwich and eat it. <laughs> Patrick Breslin uh, gets his, his compensation anyway, at least €65,000. Uh, uh, listen, uh, an interesting case. Uh, before we let you go, our legal question of the week, do people still swear on the Bible when testifying in court? They do, Kieran. Do you, do you know what the oath is that you have to swear? I don't. I actually don't know. I swear oath. by Almighty God that the evidence I shall give shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. They actually That's, say that. They actually say that. So this is from like the Oaths the Act, 1909. And if you're a, a Christian or if you're Jewish, you have to say that and you hold the, the New or Old Testament, depending on your religion. Now, there is an exception, and this came in in the Oaths Act, 1888, that if you are somebody who doesn't have a religious belief, you can uh, make what's known as a solemn affirmation. But the the rules still apply that if you lie after having made the oath, uh, you can still be prosecuted for perjury, which is lying to a court, basically. And if you refuse to make the oath, uh, you can be found in contempt, of course. But just interestingly looking at the history of this, uh, you know, originally there was this kind of superstition that if you made the oath, and then lied afterwards. It was assumed that God would take his revenge on you and something bad would happen to you. Yes. But then it changed towards, you know, the focus being on drawing someone's attention to God that when they were saying those words, it would fix, it would, you know, fix their conscience, basically, and and bind them to, to telling the Let, truth. Lend an air of solemnity to what they were about to say. I, indeed, indeed. But up until the early 1900s, and this is an interesting case, this was in Canada, they had what was known as the Chinese Chicken Oath which involved right. decapitating a live chicken That's in tough. court and then incinerating, writing down the oath and then incinerating that oath in court. And the implication was that the uh, the witness's soul would be extinguished or, you know, killed uh, if if they lied. So, I mean, great, great uh, spectacle in court, but I think not accessible to vegans no, uh, nowadays. No, the campaign starts here. Bring back the Chinese, <laughs> the Chinese chicken oath. And, uh, and I must say, there is a reform proposed here. They're going to change it. And it's Helen McAtee is trying to bring it through to what's known as the statement of truth. So okay. the moment you still have to say what religion you are, or if you're no religion, you can say the, the solemn affirmation but they're going to change it and, and make it completely non-denominational. All right. Listen, before I let you go, what are we talking about next week? Next week, I, I think I, I wanted to talk about this in light of the, the two terrible, tragic murders last week in Ireland. But just to look at official Ireland's response to homosexuality and the most iconic constitutional case being the time David Norris took Ireland to court and lost. Oh, yeah, he lost. People often say about uh, David Norris won. He didn't win in Ireland. He, lost. Uh, he won the war, I guess, yes. but he lost the battle. He you lost know, in the course. Irish battle, won yeah. the European war. Uh, listen, uh, pleasure as always, Gavin. We'll talk to you again, same time uh, next week uh, for a look at that case, David Norris's famous uh, case against the uh, state. You can listen back, I should say, to all previous editions of In Our Defence. They are up on the News Talk app. Just subscribe to the hard shoulder so you don't miss out. Uh, stay with us after the break. Emmett Oliver is going to have all your day's business news. The Hard Shoulder on News Talk with the all-new Nissan Qashqai, now electrified with mild hybrid power. See Nissan.ie.